0: Welcome to the So What Podcast. This show is dedicated to planning ideas, habits, and God-given purpose into the soil of business, so you can enjoy the harvest and share it with others. Now, here's your host, Paul Tran. Okay, let me know when... Uh, I see the recording.
1: All right, uh... Hi, guys. Welcome to the So What podcast. Uh, and today uh, is going to be a change of scenery because usually I'm just talking to myself and I think people are tired of that. Uh, I, I finally have a really awesome guest uh, that I wanted to kind of share a little bit more about because, uh, Tony, you've been uh, you're, you're quite prolific because I see you everywhere in the business side of things. You're uh, in the products business, you're in tech. You're also in restaurants, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so uh, I, I know that um, this interview is going to be quite, um, quite helpful on 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 all all fronts. So thank you for making time, dude. No man, thank you for having me, man. <laughs> thank me <laughs> oh and uh, totally uh this is not sponsored this is completely uh by my own choice but i, I uh, wanted to have some coffee what your coffee uh also awesome. for this event so thank you man thank you for such good coffee man yeah absolutely uh, i'm glad you guess, like the matcha that's our brand new one yeah you know what so okay I, I like this but i'm kind of like a boring purist so i actually like the the hello saigon uh a lot better I'll yeah,
0: leave. no, that's our stable product, just so that you know, there's the Good Morning Saigon. So number one top seller is that one.
1: Is it like by a landslide?
0: Or is um, you know, because we just released that. I don't have all the data just yet, but uh, we we produce more of the Good Morning Saigon than, than the plant-based for at, at this time, just to see how uh, the numbers
1: will come out. But yeah, yeah everyone loves the Good Morning Saigon. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, I mean, rightfully so. It's so good, man. And yeah, I was telling you, you privately as well that uh, I like it because it, you know, you and I have consumed the Vietnamese coffee just, you know, on the streets. It's, there's no branding on it. It's just yeah. like mom and pop shops that serve it. It's really good, but I, I it's so thick. It's so yeah. thick uh, because of, you know, they overload it with like condensed milk or something. I, I only can finish like a quarter of it, but for yours, I, I end up like, I, I'm working and I realize it's already gone and I've already done. I'm already done for the day and it's only been an hour. Or so uh, thank you, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so, okay. That actually leads me to my, I'm at, so just to let you know, I am going to try and ask questions that aren't as covered because I know you've done so many interviews and I, I, have actually watched them all like a stalker. Wow. Um, okay. but, but I, but I'm going to try and ask questions that are uh, not, not common. That way, uh, that way, it helps people go to other video interviews and learn more about you. And this, this way, this interview is a little bit more like new, new different type of perspectives and answers, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first question to you is, you, you're, you're involved in so many businesses, and a lot of them, you seem to be a really good visionary and creator. Why franchising all of a sudden, where you're taking someone else's uh, template versus creating your own? Is what's the the history and reason for that? Why 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 am I helping with franchising, or why did I do franchising? But why why did you decide on getting into a franchise versus just continuing to build your own companies and your own concepts? Yeah, you know, I mean, for Wingstop, that
0: was the very first time I got in, involved with food. I never even thought that I would ever do food because yeah. I come from a background of tech. But uh, when that opportunity came, I said, you know what, let's give this a shot, you know, and let's understand how the whole process works. And I'm very grateful, actually, to uh, be able to be involved with such a brand like Wingstop because they have all the processes in place. Um, Um, you know, they have all the um, support for a franchisee. I think like one of the biggest things that people don't understand when they're looking at franchises or they want to go on their own is that um, Wingstop, you know, um, helps by giving you the support with a business consultant Mm -hmm. as well as a marketing consultant at the same time. And that's part of the royalties that you pay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And people don't realize that that's that so important because I don't know all the ins and outs of at the very beginning how to run a business. And so now I have someone always there to support me. I don't I didn't know much about marketing until you know, recently. Right. But I, again, they had someone there to say, oh, Tony, what's your budget? I'll tell them I have a budget of five thousand dollars. And uh-huh. so they will go and they will plan for me. What the, yeah, they will actually say you got 5,000 and this is your store. So within this vicinity, this is what we would recommend that we do the following for marketing activities or what we call LSM local store marketing. So, you know, uh, unless you come from a marketing background, you wouldn't have that type of knowledge or expertise. And that's provided at no additional costs. That's part of the
1: royalties that that go with you paying to the franchise. Got it. Got it. I I love that because, um, So you're kind of like paying for a consultant as well. Like you get your own consultant, you get your own coach. Uh, So what I hear is a lot of complaints for mostly people who aren't franchisees, of course, you know, people always have opinions, especially when they're not involved. They always say like, I'm just paying royalties just to line pockets and uh, there's no value. But uh, And that's actually why a lot of franchise brands uh, fail because they're not supporting. And and it's... Whether it's true or not, like franchisee perception is, if you're not providing any support, any tools, and you don't, they don't have a sense that you're trying to help them win. Uh, you're going to go the way of a lot of uh, brands that mm-hmm. uh, you and I probably will talk offline about. <laughs> we don't want to about any but but that's the true value. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm glad. So you you chose franchising because you wanted to get into food, and you felt like it was the least risky way to to get into food was just through a franchise that was already in place. Already has brand name and all that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, again, that was my very first opportunity. I learned quite a bit from it. I mean, technically, I could now, from that experience, being with a reputable franchise for the last 15 years, um, me also being in tech and everything, I can also, if I really wanted to, build another franchise from scratch. Kind of like what you're doing. You know, you you have the... um, the, the friend smart experience, you know what I'm saying? You a person comes to you and says, Hey, I got this great concept, but you know, it takes a lot of work, right. <laughs> As you know, to, to like, get a franchise started, but having gone through, uh, you know, this, all the, getting all this experience, I know that, uh, moving forward, if I one day wanted to, uh, get a concept and get it to franchise, that's definitely something that I have the skill set to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a very common path with uh, folks that end up building like really meaningful companies. And like, mm-hmm. everybody's always wondering, like, how did you figure it out? But uh, I've been doing it for the last 20 years. You know? <laughs> uh, but you remind me of a, uh, so I don't know if you know my story, but I, I got into the restaurant business because uh, I, I started my own restaurant first. Mm-hmm. So I did the reverse of the opposite of what you did. And uh, I'm really blessed because it all worked out and I learned a bunch of things and I didn't have any obstacles because I was inexperienced. I didn't know that they were obstacles, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so I I like to be tout that like proudly. But however, I I probably in retrospect now that I know how to do franchising and I've seen big brands go big and also ones that failed, I realized I got really lucky and also probably made like a million dollars worth of mistakes during my time running that restaurant, something that an easy $30,000 franchise fee could have saved me so much, um, so much heartache, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you said you don't know, you didn't know much about marketing until, until recently, but uh, I'm going to challenge you because you ended up not only becoming a franchisee, (coughs) but you opened a ton of stores and you became a president of marketing. marketing fund and so tell me like uh so number one i think you're being too humble uh number two i guess like how i guess how how did you become involved in that and and what were your duties by managing the marketing fund sure so um
0: i'm the president of the marketing co-op and what that is is um um It's a group of five people on the board, and the way you get uh, voted in is the the co-op. The co-op consists of about 50 stores in the Bay Area. Each store has a vote, and you you know I have five stores, so I get five votes. So uh, we would vote on who would be the president, and there's four other board positions. And basically, what that co-op is is it's a liaison between the franchisee and corporate. Okay. Now the the beauty about this is. uh, everybody that who contributes to this co-op, it's already been defined by my corporate. Um, they put a certain percentage uh, of their sales into this bucket. Okay. Right. Is and that, so is that public knowledge or yeah. Yeah. Of the yeah. Percentages. Yeah. Uh, not the, the percentages is not public knowledge, but um, we, we, we put this money into a bucket and basically I work with an ad agency uh, closely to align our marketing initiatives, but also, uh, work with an ad agency to um, help us on a local store market level, right? Because there's a national marketing budget, but there's also a local. They, they don't necessarily know all the corporate, that is, know what is happening on locally that we might know of, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's why we have two different marketing budgets. And and one of the things that I saw at that time was one of my stores was not uh, performing, uh, uh, it was my fifth location, my Story and story King location. And I said, man, I wish um, I can be more involved on the day-to-day stuff and kind of put my input in there. And so I said, hey, I want to uh, be on the board. And I went in, and uh, I've been the president for five years now. I'm sorry, eight years now. And one of the things that I did was I said, hey, you know what? Uh, this particular store in it is a uh, is in an area that's heavily – populated with Hispanic Uh and and people don't know, but Wingstop in Texas, their number one clientele is Hispanic. And at that time I was like, I can't believe that our sales are not even much higher than that. And so when I got on the, when I got elected, I said the very first thing I told my agency, I said, I think we should spend more money on Telemundo, Spanish radio. Uh And, you know, being, being able to have that influence and and, uh, work with my board, we did that. Sure enough, that is now my number one store in terms of sales. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean it's it's kicking butt right now. I mean all the stores are doing great, but that one, uh, you know, shows the power of marketing. Yeah, you know. So any when when I when people ask me about franchising, the very first thing I tell them is like it's the marketing dollars that you get. You know, because yeah. now I have fifty stores uh, that I oversee. Now we can spend. Um, our marketing budget instead of before I was spending $10,000 on radio for my individual stores. Yeah. Now we spend, you know, anywhere between 50 to 80,000 on a radio station yeah. and we get full coverage and we get the best time slots at 11 AM, 5 PM, you know, 8 PM before I was getting 10 PM, 2 AM, 5 AM, you know, but that was, that was because that's all I could afford. Yeah. Now with this, you're able to, um, uh, Everyone wins in this situation because radio waves, as you know, it's not like you could restrict radio waves from two miles away if we didn't have a, a marketing co-op, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the, that's one of the biggest benefits. And so uh, that's where I got, uh, I was really lucky. i um, been doing this for eight years. Um, when I'm working with the agency, I get to see all the different strategies. Yeah. Right. That, that's, you know, that is something I'm very blessed with because not too many people would be in a position where you have a million dollars and you're able to, you know, test all these different marketing strategies.
1: At yeah, the end of sure. the day, I, yeah. I heard a couple of things there. The first one is, uh, I, I don't know if you were scared or it, was, it took immense courage. But what I notice about you, and I think of this as well, like when you when you ended up, you know, pitching and winning on Shark Shark Tank, uh, you just you just it was just an opportunity that presented itself and you just like, all right, let's just do it. Or let's just volunteer. I, like, I, like I think most people are just so scared that, like, Oh my gosh, shark tank or, Oh my gosh, trying to manage like 50 stores for, 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 for wingstop. That's like, who am I? Like, and I don't know if you noticed recently, <laughs> I've been talking about imposter syndrome, yeah. uh, that, that it, like, you know, you, I, I have, really, yeah. um, it, it's just like, you, you create so many mental barriers, but it just seems like you just blow past it. Like it's so natural. Like it's not a, it's truly not a big deal. and. Uh, you just wave your hand and say, I want to do it. Or, Hey, let's just go to Vegas and pitch. Uh, Is there, is there a thought process behind it or are you fearless or is there habits that you kind of do to just get through what most people are are just terrified of doing? Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I I guess the very first
0: time I ever experienced like um, where I was a little scared because I was doing my due diligence with Wingstop and people they went to me and they said, you know, Tony, I'm not sure about this investment, man, chicken wings. I I don't see myself eating it for lunch. I don't see myself eating it for dinner and you're coming from tech. You're making, you know, I was making really good salary working for Cisco and now you're going to drop all that. And now you're going to flip wings. Like, I don't, I don't get this, you (laughs) know? And I said, you know, I see something special with this brand. You know, we were the second store to open in the Bay area. And so I've always had, you know, I'm the type of person where I I love naysayers. I love it when people say, you know, I don't think that's possible. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. You know, and I love, I'm the type of person that loves to prove other people wrong. Like, just watch me, you know? And so, you know, so you can't go, you know, from, you know, from wings to, you know, going on Shark Tank to now, you know, I'm doing coffee, right? They're like, Tony, you honestly think you're going to take Vietnamese coffee mainstream? You really think that you can beat the Starbucks and the pizza of the world with, you know, Vietnamese coffee. Like people don't know Vietnamese coffee, but I'm doing that, you know, and I'm really excited like to show what people, you know, in the next six months, even how much progress we made. But, um, you know, even with a small team, we're able to, to excel even through this pandemic. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you know, everyone else is like, oh, putting their heads down like, this pandemic is going to ruin us. But for me, it's like, I love this challenge because uh, you can't get rock bottom more than this. This is rock bottom. So <laughs> yeah. all I see is going up from here on out, you know? So. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, um, well, okay. Actually, a couple of thoughts there as well. Um, I love I love the fact that, um, well, yeah, you, you took a risk and you were, empty, like, the, being a second store in a huge intimidating market like san francisco that's a big deal and that pretty much built momentum for 50 stores and counting that's yeah. pretty big deal uh and so kudos to that dude you have a lot of franchisees indebted to you for uh for, for being one of the pioneers man that's that's no easy feat um so f- but for you like so you like the challenge like mm-hmm. So every time somebody says no, uh, is it more like, oh, really? Or is it like when people are saying no, that means that a majority are saying no. And this gives you a chance to not only prove them wrong, but you can stand out and you have a better chance of winning or or how do you think about that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's just one driver, uh, Paul. The other thing too, is I am smart. I'm smarter now from what I've learned from previous past failure. And that is I still have to do my due diligence, you know? So for example, when I go into coffee, you know, I have to see what is the total addressable market, right? What exactly is the opportunity if I'm going to take time off from, you know, when I'm choosing different businesses, right? And so my partner, Tammy, you know, she comes to me and we're meeting for the very first time and she's telling me about more about Vietnamese coffee that I didn't really even know about. So she's educating me and she says, Tony, the average coffee drinker drinks coffee twice a day. I'm like, okay, so think about that. You know, they drink it twice a day. We have we can have subscription. Um, you know, I sell my bottle $4. If they're drinking it twice a day, that's $8. So let's look at the LTV on that, right? So instead of saying $8, let's just say for just one bottle a day. So that's $4. Uh, hold on. What is LTV just so that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, lifetime value. Okay. right? So we were to acquire this customer, how much are they going to spend during the lifetime, you know, of the product? Yeah. So in this case, $4 times, you know, 30 days, 120, 120 times 12, um, sorry, $120 times 12 months is um, 1,440. 1, so every year, think about that, Tony, we would be able to make $1,440 on each of these customers. And, this is one of those products that would actually work very well in a subscription model. Yeah. Cause people, the average coffee drinker drinks coffee every single day. So, you know, I'm doing the math and everything and I'm like, wow, that's, that's, I never even thought about that. And so when she had me taste the coffee, you know, uh, first I said, wow, there's definitely opportunity here, but you know, it wasn't really so much to be honest with you, the, the, the money so much, it was more, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a stage in my life where I, I do want to give back to Vietnam. And I do want to put Vietnam on the, the radar and take a product mainstream. We could take this Vietnamese product and, and, and put it in a bottle and showcase it and introduce it to the world. That, to me, means more than anything else. And, you know, we have a social responsibility. She and I, we, we connect on that level where we're saying that, you know, profits that we make from here – We want to give it back to uh, the farmers, the people of Vietnam. So we're looking at this time, uh, we're looking at several charities right now that we want to be involved with. But being able to to, um, do all those things with this product, um, you know, um, it's, it's, it's part of my mission now is to take this and really put us on the map, you know, with Vietnamese coffee. And the beautiful thing about the story, too, is it's farm to bottle. This is coming from her uncle's farm, so we have direct access to yeah. her uncle's farm in Dalat, you know. And it's made in the USA. We import the beans, but it's brewed and bottled in in the USA. And so that's that's the story, you know, that we are building. And so what I learned throughout the years is it's about the storytelling, right? So I tell people whenever you start a business, a franchise. Um, always document you know your your path your journey document the bumps and roads like the pandemic is one of them you know we were driving to a food expo down to la and as we got to la that's when we got the email that it's been canceled <laughs> you know so you know, you you've got to document that and how did you come out of this much stronger is is yeah. is, is, is what they want to hear yeah and uh We've been able to do that, you know, and uh, it's, it's truly remarkable the journey thus far uh, in doing that. So that, you know, so that's what drives me is th- there's a mission uh, that, that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to um, meet. Um, and, and I'm excited to to see how far we get with this, you know, and uh, work with the farmers and give back to the community
1: in Vietnam. I love that so much. And and you truly not just lip service. I've seen your posts like you like you're dropping off coffee for so many like with the first responders and hospitals. And I love that you're doing that. So if you're doing that, and you're also, you know, making sure you're benefiting the local farmers. uh, I mean, gosh, you're you're like generosity spewing all over the place. And so you're still able to, to 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 generate a profit though right like it's doing good can be part of the business model it doesn't have to be something when you have extra money it's part yeah. of it
0: right so so right now i mean full transparency um you know this is the very first batch where we're getting the word out so we're not going to make to be honest with you, we're not going to make much money if lucky we'll break even yeah. but the, the thing about our product is what i tell people if you believe in your product right at the very beginning, there's user acquisition costs. And then we'll, you know, I mentioned the LTV, the lifetime value. Yeah. So we, our product, we know that if you sample it, you will fall in love with it and you will buy it. Yeah. Costco. But yes. So, so the thing is, you know, especially during the pandemic right now, like I want to get into all these different retailers, right. But the problem is they are not allowing any sampling right now. Yeah. You see, because of the, the pandemic, um, so what we're doing is we're meeting with influencers, right? And these are the influencers where people follow them. So whatever they drink, hey, I want to drink what that person's having. Yeah. So that's the workaround, you know, is more of the influencer and uh, the referral, you know, people trust referrals. So when someone pitches or, uh, you know, says something great about the product, people will, will you know, give it a try. And that's what we've been able to do, you know. So, yeah. Um, you know, some advice for the people out there. I'm willing to share what we're doing Mm -hmm. is I go on my Facebook or I go on my Instagram, right? My friends who have at least 2000 or more fans, Uh give them a sample because they're going to drink it. They're going to love it. They're going to post it. Now I have 2000 eyeballs, right? What is that? You know, I'm going to like, you know, Paul, I mean, when you put that post up on, on your, on your wall, I tell you, I should be like taking you to a nice dinner. (laughs) I probably made $1,000 that day because they're like, I was like, where is all the sales coming from? And, you know, I was going through my feed. I'm like, oh, my God, look how powerful Paul is, man. He put that post up there, and, you know, next thing everyone's ordering. So, (laughs) you know, that's the power of social media. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? And and people need to realize that this is the cheapest way to get access to um, more eyeballs than anything else. Yeah. And so um, – Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so um, that's, that's what we've been, that's what we've been doing. We're, 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 we're spending more now on um, social media uh, yeah. with the, the videos and the photos. And so we're going to put that out there to build that brand awareness. But um, you know what, that's what we've been doing with this first batch is like um, sending samples. Um, the beauty about it is um, I'm speaking to a lot of brokers right now. Every single one of them wants to pitch us wants to take us to uh, the different grocery chains. So uh, the product sells for itself, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, my goal was to be into 10,000 locations within the next three to five years. And I honestly believe that that will happen. And I'm not even sugarcoating it. I I see the the, the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, so.
1: Well, I mean, with your track record, uh, I don't think you get easily seduced by, uh, you know, Uh, hyperbole, right? I mean, you've seen... But it, like growing, for example, Wingstop, like the, to to fifty to to having a market that has 50, 50 stores in one small little tiny market, and that's wow. not even the rest of the state, let alone the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and you've already done the due diligence and you've done the math, and it just makes sense. Like it's engineered, right? So yeah. when you say that, I actually believe it. <laughs> There's only <lot> people <laughs> who just talk nothing but PR. It's just good PR marketing. Oh, I want to get to ten thousand locations, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I, I don't know if you have the the Engineered plan, or you thought it through. Yeah, but, um, but no, I, I agree with you. And it's funny when you mention uh, people drink coffee two times a day. Uh, I don't know if you saw my Insta story this morning, but my wife made uh, Phil's coffee for me. She ground it, and then and then as I hop onto my call with you, I'm like, oh, I got I got to have Omni. So it's not even like half. Mid, well, it is midday now, but uh, yeah, I drink two two coffees a day. So I'm your customer, man. Yeah, thank you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing is you mentioned lifetime value. Um, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, business people or invest- potential investors in these concepts they don't see the long game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I, can't, I remember attending a training not long ago. Uh, have you heard of Pals? It's like a restaurant chain in Tennessee. They have 25 stores, and uh, they they're he's the owners are actually really good friends with uh, Tri- the Kathy family for Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. and they host a class on how to have be a world class operation uh like a lot of their restaurants that they coach have become like james beard uh, foundation winners and uh wow. like really large companies and we did the math and i can't remember how the math played out but it, they said that customers who go to your restaurant like their lifetime value is about $25,000 Mm, like you yeah. that like, goes in and buys like a small burger or a small coffee they're worth like twenty five thousand thousand if if you if you if you understood that uh number one you would, you'd you focus more on uh retaining customers because it's Correct. so so valuable and also you'd treat your customers better too yeah. And so I don't know if that's how you think about it, but I just realized if you see lifetime value in these, mm-hmm. it's these four or $5 purchases, then I love the fact that you're just going to continue, uh, retaining customers and winning and growing. And yeah, you'll, you'll, 10,000 will be no, no, it'll be, uh, easily achieved, man. And I'm, I'm rooting for you, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I saw the, you're talking about manufacturing. Um, I was curious, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who have products, and they want to get it to market. Uh, You mentioned that you need to do your due diligence, you need to find an addressable market. Uh, But you also did mention brokers. And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's always, always something that, you know, they have trouble just being able to get it in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you mind sharing how you how you think about how you go about that? Uh, brokers.
0: Uh, yeah. So, I mean,
1: before anything else, before seeing a broker,
0: I'm just telling people today, like who are brand new, like let's, let's make sure that the economics work out. Right. How much do you want to sell this product for? So I, I work backwards. Right. So let's just say they, um, they want to sell their product for $5. Mm -hmm. The retailer, um, the wholesaler, uh, wholesaler retailer is going to want a 40% margin on that. Okay. Right. So then that means that you need to sell it to them for three dollars so that when they sell it for five dollars, they get a 40 percent margin. Right. And then I tell them now you also have to get a distributor involved in this and they're going to want 25 percent profit margin from that three dollars. So that means you have to sell it for uh to that distributor for 225. Um, is, that, is that right? one? sorry. Yeah, yeah, two twenty-five is what they have to sell it to the uh, distributor for, and then on top of that, you got to put five percent for the broker, one percent for the fees, you know, and then that's your that's that's how much money you're going to be dealing with, and then what margins do you want? Well, if you want fifty uh, percent margins, now you got to get it down to like a dollar so before anything else, before we we even take this product to market, yeah, you know, can you do you think you can get your cost down to a dollar twenty five based on volume that when you hit to that right and so, um, you know, for them it's kind of scary. I said, you know, yes, but I need you to think like this first because I don't want you to put all your energy in and later on find out that that's not achievable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um. So so if they agree to all those numbers and they say this, yeah, it's it's achievable. I would then say, hey. There's a lot of um, food brokers out there. Uh, how I got involved was, or found these guys was uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is like the number one uh, lead gen tool, and you could search for a food broker, right? And you'll get a lot of people. And at the end of the day, you got to really speak to them and kind of understand their strategy because. Um, understand that food brokers, you know, there's, there are food brokers who will make the introductions, but there are also food brokers who are skilled at, um, increasing sales velocity. Okay. And that's so key. Why is that key? Because, um, I know I'll be able to get into 10,000 locations, but if people are not going there and they're not making that purchase, that venue, that venue will pull my product off the shelf. Yeah. So when I'm speaking to these brokers, I'm asking them, you know, what is it in your, um, you know, what have you done in the past? Who are your who are the brands that you represent? Right. Because you do want to ask for references. okay? And then uh, what is their strategy? Now, when I speak to these brokers, these brokers, some of these brokers are specifically to one retail chain. Right. So one of them is a, a, a food broker for Costco. One for Whole Foods, one for Albertson you want to work with those guys because they're laser focused on that one retail chain yeah. if they say, well I could do Albertson I can do Walmart I could do Target they're all over the place You're distracted yeah yeah they're distracted so what I've done is I have bro- brokers that are specifically for you know one particular brand you know uh, in each of this so that they can focus on that they can help figure out, how to bring sales velocity yes. in each of these retail chains? Because what they what they're going to do is they're going to meet with me at least at the very beginning weekly basis, but on a monthly basis, we'll go over the sales report together. You know, look at all the individual stores. You know, why is the sale in this store uh, lower than the other ones? You know, did yes. they move our product somewhere else? You know, is it you know is it um, is it being merchandised properly? Right. So uh, typically, these brokers have a fleet of people who are, um, you know, on the ground that is helping with their other um, clients. So when they're at the store, they have maybe 10 products they represent, they'll go and make sure that it's being merchandised uh, properly. So yes, uh, you know, brokers anywhere from 4 um, to 10% is what I've, um, during my uh, research and my interviews, is the range. So you really need to ask, you know, what are the services that you're going to get when you go with this one broker, but you have to tie in that as part of your costs. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes better to get a broker. Otherwise you have to dedicate a person right to oversee this. And that's a huge task when you're in 300 stores and you look at your guy, you're like, do I want to save money, you know, by hiring my own guy, or do I hire the broker who has a fleet of people who can go to all these locations and help with the merchandising.
1: So I'll, those are the trade-offs. Yeah, outsource to the best, so you can focus on what you do best, right? And you'll end up being distracted, and that doesn't help with quality and, and uh, a profitable company too. And yeah. I noticed that um, you love collaborating with people, So, but you have this tone that you are, I can't tell right now, I, I thought you were an introvert, but it seems like you have this, l- this huge extroverted energy, or at least wanting to work with people uh what are you (laughs) um both no just kidding you know I, I um
0: I used to be I I used to be very very shy you know I'm very uncomfortable in large gatherings and things like that but because I've been I shouldn't say forced upon it but I'm you know learning learning more how to socialize and be in front of people and you know I was scared to death with public speaking and everything like that but I think, like, um, like again, I'm, I'm growing older and wiser now, um, and I'm reading so many you know, people out there who are positive, um, especially like, um, you know, this is kind of like how we really met was like more on the Asian Hustle Network, you know, and to see all these entrepreneurs and to say, wow, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my life, you know, and these kids are, you know, about to make this, <laughs> those same mistakes, you know, and so... Uh, it's It's been, you know, I allocate, um, I've been allocating some time to have these one on ones, you know, sessions with them to give them some advice, because I made some costly mistakes in my life. And I don't want them to have to ever go through that if I can, you know, offer that. And so part of my mission is to to help these young entrepreneurs, you know, and it, it makes me feel good too you know, and when I see them succeed, it makes me really, really proud to see these guys succeed. Yeah. You know, I don't want anything but the best for these guys, you know, so that's good. Um, yeah. Now I'm very social.
1: <laughs> I like to talk. <laughs> no, it, it's funny because every time I talk to you, well, I guess that makes sense because I think introverts, I, I'm an introvert as well. I, I really enjoy one-on-one. I, I I don't do well in large groups. I, I tend to freeze up. And so, I'm. you know, lately I, I've been trying to get out of that shell and I used to make that as an excuse. To why I can't do public speaking, but I realize that I'm really telling myself false stories, at the cost of not being able to reach more people. Mm-hmm. Not only that, I think these platforms are allowing us to reach more people, and I can, yeah. still, I can still sense that I'm doing uh, treating everybody one on one, but at scale. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I, I just, it's, I just noticed your tone. I just thought I'd bring it out there. Um, Yeah. You know, I tell you,
0: I, you know, it was recently, um, you know, we have a mutual friend, Bill. uh, Who is definitely not an introvert. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I, I, you know, I met him um, back during the the, the food expo, it being canceled. And I'm having lunch with him. Right. And he's listening to me. And he's, he was like, wow, Tony, you know, uh, you have, you have a a lot of knowledge, you know, I really think, you should like do podcasting and everything. And I told him, you know, I don't like doing public speaking. (laughs) And then he said something that really struck me. And that was, he looked at me, he said, you know, Tony, um, don't take this the the negative way, but you're, you're doing yourself a disservice by not sharing this with everybody. Yeah. So he got me thinking about that. You know, I said, wow, I never even thought about this. I, you know, uh, I've never, you know, I felt kind of bad actually when he made that comment. So the next thing I did was I said, you know, I thought about it. And I said, you yeah, know, you're right, you're right. Let me let me do something about it. And so I did a post on my Facebook and I said, hey, whoever wants to interview me, let's let's do this. I had like 15 people. <laughs> you know, that's why you see me everywhere now. You know, I said, who wants to interview me? And sure enough, they. You know, I said, wow, if I can get you know on people's other platforms, you know, and spread the love and and, and experience, you know, it will motivate these guys uh, even more.
1: So. Oh. Thank you for taking that risk, man. I Because of that, I got to learn so much more and I got to appreciate you more. And hopefully it's helping you in your uh, public speaking, but it's benefiting me for sure, man.
0: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I really enjoy doing these. So
1: I think you should do podcasts. I, uh, <laughs> I had the same experience where um, I just started my podcast about two months ago. And right now I'm at like almost 40 episodes. Oh my God. That's like, wow. That's well, unbelievable. Well, because <laughs> well, my friend... Uh, it's all about momentum, right? Once you, uh, was it, you know, whatever you do that you're f- afraid of, once you do it, you realize it wasn't such a big deal and you're just like pissed off at yourself because you <laughs> Didn't all the time wasted time. So I've, I'm now at 40 episodes and what's so cool is that I'm, I'm getting a lot of <laughs> other introverts as well that reach out. And I've also gotten some business out of it too, some mm-hmm. mentorship opportunities and it's, it's, I'm so gl- glad that I did that. So I'm glad you did that too, man. I, I can totally understand how you where you're coming from. But you should do a podcast, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have, have a whole team, but yeah. <laughs> at the time. Yeah, at the time. But if not, then you can continue just adding value and sharing generosity in other people's platforms too. So yeah. there's no shortage of that. Um, another question I had was um, going back to the fact that you have so many different businesses. Um, and what I noticed is that uh, all of your businesses have partners. Mm-hmm. Most people have the hardest time trying to find a good partner. There's a lot of horrible stories of how partnerships have like t- torn people's lives apart. Um, but I mean, you seem to have really good relationships, and I think it goes back to your personality of just mm-hmm. kind of generosity. But I'm sure there's a lot more mechanics behind it. How do you How do you think about entering a a partnership? Uh, yeah, how do you think about partnership?
0: Yeah.
1: Sure, and you know, not all my partnerships
0: are successful. So I don't want make sure, I want to make sure that people understand that not I don't have a one hundred percent success uh, in in in, uh, in every single business, guys. I learned through this, and so I want to share with folks. Here is what I would do if you do enter a partnership, and that is, um, you know, you 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 get to know your partner. If they're a, a complete stranger, don't sign anything up. Just just uh, you know. Um, have several meetings, go out to dinner if possible, make sure you meet with them. You know, don't, don't just do partnerships, uh, through the internet, you know, through zoom meetings, but at least (laughs) see them face to face too. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and then really kind of make sure that your, your, your goals and objectives line up. Okay. And so when I'm looking at these businesses, yes, I can, you know, at the very beginning, I was wearing so many different hats. Yes. I could do, you know, I have a finance background. I could do accounting you know, I, and now I'm doing marketing. I could also do, uh, operations, but the thing is, what is your core strength? You know, don't, don't try to do everything by yourself. Uh, if, if, oh, yeah. Chance. So I did that and I got burnt out doing that. And so that's one thing is clearly define what your role is in that company or that organization. Yeah. So for example, if I'm responsible for sales, then I don't need the CFO trying to sell the product to anybody. You know, let them work on the numbers. Tell me what are the numbers we need to hit, you know, uh, to achieve the goals. And yeah. so what I tell people is stick to your swim lane, you know, yeah. and and don't don't you know unless they ask for help, don't uh, jump over you know to someone else's swim lane and try to do their work mm-hmm. or look over their shoulder. So you you know I tell people each one of us is going to be accountable for, you know, that particular function. And so that they, they, they realize that that's, you know, that, Hey, they're, they're accountable. And so they're on the hook to ensure that, you know, these are the goals that they must hit, you know? And um, I mean, that's, that's really the best advice I tell them is like, cause when you write your operating agreement, yeah you're going to define the function. You're going to say, you know, you are the founders. You're responsible for this. Yeah, and you could always go back to that contract.
1: Yeah, it's clarity, right? Just clarity. I Mm -hmm. mean, there's so many unknowns, but if you if there are things you can be super clear about, you should take advantage of it, right? And don't be sloppy. And I think it's that's one of those things, and it's funny as you mentioned that. I'm like, I, if I close my eyes and I didn't know what this platform was, it sounds like you're giving dating advice, <laughs> right? But it's true. You got to date them. You got to vet yeah. them. I mean, yeah, like marriage is going to be a forever thing. Like, I, I hope you get into a business that lasts forever, mm-hmm. or gets bought out, or you know. But it takes it. Yeah, it's a long game thing too. So, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, and
0: the, the other thing too, I do tell one other thing is. Sometimes, you know, we're on the honeymoon phase where everyone gets along, but unfortunately you have to actually talk about the divorce, you know, and so have an exit strategy and people are like, what are you talking about? We're, we're going to be friends forever. No, you know, it's great if that happens, but if, if it doesn't, at least you have it on paper and this is the exit strategy.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, it's no different from you know. You don't plan on getting into a car accident, but you need insurance, and you don't plan on dying before your kids hit certain age. But you got to get your life insurance. It's no different. So uh, it's funny how people don't think about it that way, uh, and they get all emotional about it. Oh, you don't love me enough. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like you're giving Dave advice again. It's so funny, but uh, it's so true. It's it's very. It is. Um, so.
0: I, I just don't. I mean, I've I've been through you know I've been through one I won't mention but you know, it was like that where um, you, you just don't expect that to happen, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And so, you know, you just got to go back to the, the, the operating agreement and say, you know, this is what we agreed to, you know, and uh, it'll save a lot of headache because to your point, you know, I'm, I'm seeing people are coming to me and, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm not getting along with my best friend, my roommate, my, you know, my family. I'm like, wow, you know, and they thought that This thing was going to work out, you know. This is a beautiful relationship, but I said, you know, now you know, right? And so I'm telling other people before they even head head down this road that, hey, you know, guys, have this discussion and make sure that you know you're you guys are all in alignment with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. It's my you remind me of a a Bible. You know, you and I are both believers, uh, and Mm -hmm. so there's a Bible verse I can't remember which one. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but it talks about just because you can do everything. Doesn't mean you should. Yeah. I right? uh, can't remember. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which one? Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I i don't. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll it. I didn't mean to put you on the spot because <laughs> it's killing me. You know, one of those things that. He- me until I figure it out. But uh, yeah, it's just because you can do it, just because you can do finance, just because you can do marketing doesn't mean you should. You just mm-hmm. should just do what you've been called to do and what you feel like you can make the most impact. So uh, it's, it's hard for people to stay in their lane, especially when they're like small entrepreneurs where they are used to having to do everything at first. Yeah. Uh, but there will be a point where that's not sustainable. And if they want to scale, they actually want to create a real business, not a, a glorified job then they will need to start creating boundaries and creating systems and, and all that. Um, you know, uh, Andy Nguyen? Yep, uh, like my brother from another remind me of him because, you know, he has a bunch of businesses as well. And, you know, I spent some time with them, we do some business together, and it's so amazing how clearly defined his role is. His goal is to yep. be the vision and the marketing, Mm -hmm. everything else like he has he has teammates for everything as well he has a chef he has product he branding design all that stuff like he's outsourced uh, to other people and helping other people win too and i think that's Mm -hmm. also i think why you partner up because you want other people to win too it's kind of boring when you're doing on your own but but he's so religious about not doing anything other than what he's good at. He's, he's mm-hmm. really good at that too. So I don't know. He really but, is. Oh, I, inspiring, I'll
0: tell you a story about Andy next time. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a great story how we got connected. But, you know, I've been, well, I'll tell you real quick, but I had been um, following Andy and I, I just said, I got to meet this guy. I got to meet this guy. <laughs> so for at least like nine months, you know, he'll tell you the story too. He always giggles, you know, when he tells other people. Um, for nine months, I've been nagging him on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, Andy, I'm going to be in town. Can we do lunch? You know, the guy's busy. You know, he's got all these different brands and, uh, that he's helping with. And uh, finally, he finally says yes. And I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. I'm going to meet <laughs> the afters ice cream guy, you know, has been master of that and all his other. He's got a wing brand, too, by the way, at that time and a pokey. Yeah. And now he has coffee. So I'm like, you're following me, man. No, but, you know, but it was, it was just great to see someone, you know, uh, doing kind of like the same thing I did. And so we had our first lunch meeting and we hit it off, you know, now we, 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 we hang out, we go to Vegas when I'm down there, we'll have lunch and dinner together. So uh, things have, have worked out and, you know, it's just, you know, um, and I met him, you know, more from, uh, again, I got to know him more from the Asian Hustle Network, you know, from, from that experience. From your calendar,
1: um, Workstream whoa, Plus Wingstop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember you saying Alexa at any point in the conversation. <laughs> no, it was a, a calendar reminder. That's a, that, yeah. Oh, no. Well, in that case, I know you're, thank you, you. I mean, I know you have a back-to-back full day today. So what's, what I really admire is that not only you make time, but you are also super present as well. I think you can tell, and most people are so busy, they, they're not, not fully there. Uh, so I, I really appreciate it, man. I, and I don't know about you, but I enjoyed this conversation. And, and if you're looking to do more podcasts and interview, I'd like to help you with that by doing some more sessions. Yeah, uh, absolutely. However we
0: could, you know, I, I mean, you and I share the same goals and things, you know, goals in helping people. So. I'd be more than happy to jump on another podcast and, you know, let's let's kind of educate and help the world and help these young entrepreneurs, you know, with our experience. Because, I mean, um, yeah, they I, need to learn from the OGs, you know, so.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I would love that so much. And, yeah, um, yeah thank you again. And, and just as a final parting words, I, I don't know if you – if there – one thing I, you were really honest with me about was, um, you know, I told you there was going to be some questions I was going to ask you. And one of those questions that caught me by surprise, and I shouldn't be surprised because you learn through experience, but you don't, <laughs> you don't read books often. And so I'd like to know, you're all obviously a, a learner, a student of life. So, uh, you know, how, how do you, I guess, how do you, do you have a systematic way of learning? or do you just treat everything like a learning opportunity? Like, like how do you bypass the need for books? Cause people, I think, I think people overly depend on books for wisdom, but, Correct. but think about it. Um, a couple ways. I,
0: I do have uh, friends and mentors that also give me advice, mm-hmm. but sometimes, you know, I, I think that part of the journey is making mistakes as well and learning from it. And w- when I, Make a you know when something is a failure and I you know or or uh, it didn't work out the way I wanted to, I don't look at that as a failure so much. I look at that as more of a high paid tuition cost that I <laughs> incurred. Yeah. You know, and so don't you ever make that same mistake again, Tony? Because that cost you a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, my that God. mistake. Yeah. And so you know, and 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 that's why I tell you right now. Even though these are the mistakes I made. Um, I now sit on the board for five different tech companies because of those mistakes that I've, you know, I'm able to expedite them and navigate them uh, through the storm and make sure that they don't make the same mistake as I do. yeah, Right. And so um, that's how I treat, um, you know, some of these learning, some of these mistakes, more so a learning experience of paid tuition. Um, And yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't, you know, I know I should. Someone had asked me like, do you wish you, if you were to change something back as a teenager, what would you do? Uh, I wish I read more books. I do, <laughs> but uh, you know, now I'm in my
1: mid forties. It's a little bit difficult to make time to read. Money. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's too late now. <laughs> uh, no, actually, okay, I'm going to challenge you on that because, um, like I mentioned earlier, I think most people are overly dependent on books. Yeah, uh, they, there's this concept that I, um, you know, Hal Elrod uh, from the Five Minute Morning. Um, no. He was on a podcast where he mentioned, there's this concept called procrastinate learning. Uh, procrastinate <laughs> learning is where you're learning, you're reading so many books yeah. and you're just like a personal development junkie and you just do one thing after another and, and do nothing with that information. Mm-hmm. They post it on their Instagram or their, their social media, and then they just continue reading it and do absolutely nothing with it, you know? So I, I would actually, I'd rather learn your, your school of hard knocks than yeah. reading too many books. So I, 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 think you're, you're doing okay without, without books. You don't Thank have you. To follow that path. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, yes. We'll, we'll do more episodes on, I don't know, we should probably get into our faith and our, how we do business. And I also am drawn to you because you're also a family guy. So we should also talk about how you run your family and your business. And at, because I, am curious to learn because I'm, I'm am I'm a work in progress there mm-hmm. uh, and we have other, other cool topics. So if you're down with it, we'll, we'll schedule some more time. Okay, man. Absolutely. Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, buddy. All right, brother. Uh, that's it for now. Um, and as soon as uh, this goes live, I'll, I'll send it your way and I'll post it on the Asian hustle network. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Take care, man. Yep. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the So What Podcast. We hope some of the ideas take root and make your life better. We want to serve more awesome people like you. And here's how you can help in less than 60 seconds subscribe to this show, post a review because it attracts others, forward this to a friend, or email Paul with any questions, ideas, or if you'd like to work together at so what at